0: Give me a different liberal.
1: That's your fix. We can't control every guest who comes on this show.
0: Yeah. Watch me. (laughs) 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 This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 258 for the week of July 8th, 2019. I am graphics package David T. Cole, and I'm here with pointed music cue Sarah D. Bunting.
1: Television man? What's that supposed to mean?
0: Leggy anchor woman Tara Ariano.
2: They go all the way up.
0: And paid Seth MacFarlane emoting to footage
3: of the World Trade Center's collapse Will Leach. My, my God. <laughs>
2: Uh, I just want that. That's
0: wait. Hang on a sec. That's a bit of an abuse of the opening nomenclature conceit. And I am sorry. Frankly, my ability to keep up with it.
3: I know I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. <laughs>
0: but it was a good one. <laughs>
2: What we know about Will Leach is that he likes to say a lot of words, and uh, he thought maybe you would too, Dave. Um, hello. Welcome to another Extra Hot Great. Joining us this week is our old friend, Will Leach. Hello, Will. Hello. Hi, Will. Thank you
3: for this. is my favorite show to go on. Thank you for having Dude. me. I say this every time that this is like I, I got, I got, every time I'm on the show, I listen to the show so much. I always feel like I'm on the Flintstones. Like I'm like, I'm in the television and I'm hanging out with Flintstone. <laughs> those Bam, Bam and Betty and Fred. I'm hanging out with my friends on the TV.
2: You're so sweet. Um, we are here this week to talk about The Loudest Voice. This is Showtime's seven part mini series about Fox News based on reporting by Gabriel Sherman in New York Magazine and his book, The Loudest Voice in the Room. And each episode. Uh, is just titled a, a year. Um, starting with the first uh, week was 1995 when Fox News was just getting started. Uh, followed by 2001 when some memorable things happened that we don't need to get into. Um, I'll start with this question. Will uh, this it, the show focuses on Roger Ailes, the late uh, I don't know impresario? demon of Fox news played here by Russell Crowe in a lot of makeup and prosthetics. How do we think he managed to find the truth of a character who is a gross rageaholic given to making inappropriate sexual propositions in fancy hotels? Will.
3: Uh, he, they certainly got the gross part, right? Uh, to be <laughs> very clear. I don't, I, I I will t- tread carefully, but to say that like, it's possible they may have actually made him too fat. Like, honestly, we are, like, really kind of close into, like, M- Mike Myers' fat bastard territory like a couple times uh, with the makeup <laughs> on nails. It, it, it looks... It, it You still see... It's not like Russell Crowe is, like, in gladiator mode anyway uh, okay. these days. So uh, I, I found it distracting. Crowe, I think one of the... I think Crowe is still a good actor. I think that he's able to... Uh, he tends... But, you know, this comes to a problem that you see a lot of times when someone plays like a real just a flat-out creep kind of start to finish. Actors just have a hard time going full villainy for this long. And so Crow kind of just can't help but invest Ailes with a little bit more humanity than I suspect he may have actually had. And like, Russell Crowe is an actor who generally plays plays characters who have some sort of soul and some sort of inner world, and I feel like Crow keeps, he can't help but make Ailes more sympathetic because he He has an inner life and he's thought about this character, which almost feels actually grosser. (laughs) It actually, I feel like this is Roger Ailes is a person that it feels weird to watch a good actor try to humanize him in a way that uh, uh, I understand that like full villain would be really hard to do for seven, uh, forever, seven hours, however long this is. But right. it's hard to – it's hard to have a really, truly invest in him in kind of Crow's thing. It's like Stalin telling you about his
0: favorite childhood dishes. You're right. Like, uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I think that's the thing is it, it really does feel – like Crow gives it gives it his all. This definitely feels like Russell Crowe feeling. Like he's definitely doing a lot of acting. He's acting a ton in this. And I, th- I don't think he's bad. I just don't think – to put him at the middle, there, this needs to be – this comes to my general major criticism of the show – It needs to be funnier. <laughs> and yeah. I know that sounds weird. I know that sounds like a weird thing to say about something that obviously is serious as Fox News and serious Roger Ailes. But it needs to have, like, you can't just play this like a straight, like, TikTok. Like, the, it works in the book, it works fine in the book. But on a TV show uh, or in a series like this, it needs to have a more tongue in cheek angle. To, and to, to, it's hard because we also know all of these people and have, like, heard a lot of these stories. There needs to be more of an angle other than here's just the story of Fox News. And I don't think the show necessarily has. Has it.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, my problem was more that it seems like it's 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 trying so hard for p- to be ponderous, you know, like I doubt that Roger Ailes was walking around the offices like delivering dialogue and aphorisms the way he does here. Mm, but
1: yeah, that was a note I had as well.
2: Yeah, Sarah, I know Russell Crowe is, I believe, one of your not faves. How do you think he's doing so far?
1: Um, I I think he's fine. Like, Russell Crowe as a person is not necessarily my fave, but Mm. he doesn't need to be. As an actor, I'm fairly neutral on him. I've also seen Mystery Alaska, like, multiple (laughs) times. So (laughs) I'll just let myself out. (laughs) I think he's fine. The accent is a little unsteady. Um, at least in the early going, but I didn't get any further than the early going. And um, here's why partly what will said uh, that it has to have some other angle besides here are all these like sort of semi winky knowing um, references to the birth of Fox news and like the speaking and aphorisms. And the other thing is, and this is not specific to this, um, project i think that this is true of a lot of projects like it that uh, often the casting is like the most interesting thing Mm -hmm. about it yeah um i guess you could call this the not the snakes on a plane effect but maybe like american crime story i was very afraid Uh. that it would get to the screen and it would be like well we're like we're already done the wad is shot uh (laughs) and uh, i'm not gonna lie Barry Watson as Lachlan Murdoch is pretty perfect, but I (laughs) like once I know it, I don't actually have to watch it. Um, And also, this is trying to be for everyone informationally. Yeah. And I don't think we need the pitch for what Fox News is. Like, we live in Fox News rica already. So. I'm not sure the, you know, cutaways to the, huh, he's got a point faces (laughs) in these meetings are the most interesting (laughs) use of my time. So, yeah uh, like, I think Russell Crowe is fine. I think everybody, given the wigs and makeup they're laboring under, is basically fine. It was sort of funny to see Sheriff Witter as Jack Welch. Um, But like I said, like, once you see the casting and you're like, okay, I see it then 15 minutes in you're like who is this for it's certainly not for me because it's not really taking a position it's just a wikipedia article with yeah. people yelling
0: it's a wikipedia and article with people yelling and then the one guy going <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> true it is a cacklepedia article yeah. Yeah. It, but it all- yeah i'm all i'm all set like i don't think it's bad i just Mm-mm. don't know why it is and it i know it's not for me
3: it's it's also weird too. It has a little bit of the Studio sixty problem, which mm-hmm. is uh-huh. um, uh, that like the guy that plays Sean Hannity. I don't like Sean Hannity, but like Sean Hannity has like some television charisma. Like he, he pops yeah. off the screen, and yeah. the actor that plays him does not. And really, none of the like it's hard. You the movie uh, the show keeps telling you that like Russell right Roger Ailes is a genius, and look at all the brilliant television uh, innovations he came up with. But then you watch him and then it just looks low grade and stupid and frankly not as polished as the real thing Mm -hmm. and that hurts i think it actually does actively hurt the show that like look look at this genius like the, the the scene where he discovers hannity and puts him on is really bad because this hannity doesn't pop at all and you're like if roger ailes is watching this guy and thinking he this guy should be on television every night i don't believe he's a genius and and so i think that that's a problem too
2: yeah, it's like a lifetime. I mean, it's a very obviously a very expensive version, but in the sense of the way Lifetime unauthorized stories about past TV projects like have to very carefully get some facts wrong that people remember, so they don't get sued. This was definitely true for the nine hundred two one zero movie. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's it <laughs> does have that feel. I I don't. I mean, it's not for me either. I, I guess, but in the, on the other hand, like I've watched all the HBO movies that are about recent history like Game Change and Recount and Too Big to Fail and stuff. And this sort of feels of a piece with those, except it's it's so much longer. I don't know. Well,
1: maybe that's that's an issue. It might have worked for me at feature film length, where it could be a little more elliptical and not sort of go over stuff that I already knew. Um, deleting Seth MacFarlane wouldn't help. <laughs> I'm not going to lie about that. My God. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Swoon
2: yeah but should this have been a a movie would have been more compelling as a movie I mean will you write about both genres what do you think
3: I think uh, game change is actually a good example I think game change is pretty good and one Mm -hmm. of the things I think it really works about game change look at Julianne Moore playing Sarah Palin contrast that performance with Russell Crowe here like because there's a shorter length because you don't you're not I don't know if I could have taken six hours of Julianne Moore as Sarah Palin (laughs) yeah but like in the 20-25 minutes she's in that movie she adds an interesting spin and like it's not a sympathetic caric- uh, caricature for her, but it certainly feels lived in and thought about a little bit and uh, in a way that's entertaining. And that movie also has a little bit of uh, – there's some – obviously so there's some sadness in that movie and some seriousness. But it also feels – it's jazzier than this. It's a little lighter on its feet than this. And I, yeah. I wonder if this could have just been like an hour and 45 minutes if it were allowed to do that. But there is, there is something inherently kind of portentous about 1995. 2001 like there's just something something about that makes the story feel it's obviously a big story fox is a huge part of the planet it's one of the reasons we live in this current hellhole that we currently live uh right now (laughs) and so i'm not trying to to, to devalue its importance but certainly it doesn't feel like it has the gravitas enough to have earned uh
1: this sort of like uh,
3: this this kind of serious self-serious treatment
1: yeah i had a similar note that it was like you know, the line, people don't want to be informed, they want to feel informed. So uh-huh. I was like, you're right. I don't want to be informed any further about this. I <laughs> already do feel informed. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure, at least in the first episode, that this level of self-regard was earned. I want to
0: see this universe as a uh, the thick of it style.
3: Yeah. presentation. <laughs> right, right. That's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah, totally.
2: Yeah, I mean... But to get back to Sarah's question of like, if this isn't for her or a bunch of pinkos like us, like, who is it for? Because it's not for people that love Fox News. They're not watching it. So like, who, whom, whom is this for?
3: Russell, no one Crow has an answer. Vance, so Russell Crowe fans, Russell Crowe fans, uh, but like this. Be goes back to Sarah's thing. Initially, it's the casting, right? Yeah. It's the oh hmm, graduate Carlson and Naomi Watts. I can see it. Like it feels. It feels like, and I think it's interesting too because I, you know, anytime you do something like this, I think this was the problem with Vice, right? The uh, mm-hmm. the the movie I did not think was very good at all because it felt so like. Smug and just so, like, it felt like the nightmare version of what this could have been, right? It felt like the, the, uh, the, the, when, when people say they hate uh, uh, Hollywood liberals talking about uh, culture, vice is what they're talking about. Yeah. This, <laughs> yeah. this doesn't really rise to that, right? Like, I think that's well, they like. This feels like the idea of casting. Oh, wow, what a good idea to, to have Russell Coe play this part. And, but then it doesn't do anything more with that. It doesn't even like have the energy to be irritating the the way that vice was. <laughs> and I think that's a problem too.
2: Yeah. It's like, it's like the sense that, that, you know, a movie like the post is about journalism, but it's also about our current day. Right. This is trying to be that too, except it's about the thing that it's about. Like it's not <laughs> right. illuminating right. anything else. It's just itself. Like the, you know, saying it's a Wikipedia entry is so, so true. It just feels, it feels very unnecessary. The only parts that I think actually work are the most horrible parts, which are, the sexual assault, sexual coercion scenes, which really do feel like creepy and awful and claustrophobic in a a way that's very effective. But then it's like, but do I want this? Do I want to invite this into my home? Maybe I don't. And then they cut
3: back to, then the next scene is him being a genius in the boardroom again. Uh Like that's another
2: problem. Yeah. Mm. Right. I also wonder if Rupert Murdoch is getting a comparatively flattering portrayal because he's still alive. A very cynical thought to have, but I did have it.
0: Oh, uh, one final note from me. When they actually launch Fox News, it was so firing of the Death Star in angles and equipment <laughs> that it couldn't have been. I mean, I realized the Death Star was basically a mixing board, but they really aped all the angles and, and uh, timing of that. So I thought that was kind of funny.
2: Yeah, so this thing is, is transparent Emmy-begging. Do we think it will probably work? Let's start with Will. I, I I don't sense I don't think
3: so, and you guys might know this better than me, but it doesn't really feel like this is catching on is probably the best way to put it. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like this doesn't feel like something that I don't I don't know anyone that's talking about this show. <laughs> I yeah. don't think the reviews have been like particularly great. Now that's okay. Like that doesn't not necessarily that necessarily has to be for the Emmys, but it doesn't feel other than other than maybe Hey, you know what? Isn't it cool that we could have Naomi Watts trying to get this Emmy? Uh, I, I don't actually see. I don't. I don't actually see it.
2: Well, the other the other problem is going to be that it won't be for this year's awards. It would have to be for next yeah, year. Yeah, like is what anyone I was still going to be talking about this in twenty twenty? I doubt it. But Sarah, what do you think?
1: Um, I think if they had released it earlier in the year, maybe. But yeah. the other thing is like the Emmy categories now. Like um, Ryan Murphy can just run the table with minis in the mini-series category. So a lot of the um prestige projects like this, um, Temple Grandin type of things (laughs) that like you just (laughs) vaguely heard of it, but nobody you know watched it. It was like Mm -hmm. the hootie and the blowfish of shows and yet it cleaned (laughs) up at the Emmys because it had this category to itself. TV isn't like that anymore. Yeah. So I don't think it has a shot. And also its window is like over a year away by -hmm. which time i'm pretty sure everyone will be like oh that thing it might get nominated it won't win
0: also nobody wants to go in roger ale's hugging machine you just you don't want to be there (laughs) (laughs) it's time to go around the dial first up tara
2: dave oh my god um nothing nothing (laughs) that was perfectly fine thing to say um divorce is back on hbo for its final season it's been so long since it was on that in the in the premiere which was um last week they they show us francis the sarah jessica parker character like being broke she used to live in this beautiful old house in hudson now she's in this like kind of okay apartment in what seems to be in wood. And I totally forgotten like why she was poor. I was watching on a screener so I didn't get previously and I was like, oh yeah, her art gallery burned down. But it was 18 months ago. Like why would I ever remember that? There's been 5,000 <laughs> TV shows since then. But her kids are still weird. Now her son is a senior in high school and has decided he doesn't want to call it college, which I is probably just as well since no one can afford it. So I don't know why she's fighting him on this so hard. And also, I guess this is just a thing on HBO this summer. Like all of the prestige show kids don't want to go to college. The other common storyline with Big Little Lies is that Nick, who is the Tracy Letts character, is in jail on financial fraud charges. And the victims of his schemes are pissed and taking it out on his wife, who's played by Molly Shannon, who is still great. Also, new this season, Frances has a boyfriend named Henry, played by James lazur or leisure possibly who is adorable and the show is fine this was created by sharon horgan who created catastrophe with rob delaney and starred in it as well it's but she has not been involved in it i don't think since season one and every season has been shorter (laughs) and um (laughs) i don't totally buy these showrunners ability to dramatize what life is really like for formerly wealthy people who are now suddenly in their 50s and surprised to be broke um like, Frances eventually gets a job as a managing director at, like, this weird urban bird charity that's run by a brother and sister of, like, the children of the whoever started it. But we're supposed to believe this pays her bills, like, living even in the outermost reaches of any New York borough, which I don't. And we also get a reminder from her that she used to work in corporate recruiting. Like, she wouldn't just go back to doing that, whether she found it unfulfilling or not, with two kids in high school and about to go to college. Like... Whatever. What's more interesting about this show is that it the season is that it's happening at all, which it does for a variety of political reasons that Ben Travers outlines in a post on IndieWire from a couple of weeks ago. And as he puts it, it's a talent play to keep two creative partners happy because Sarah Jessica Parker's production company makes the show in addition to her starring in it. So if she wants another season to wrap it up. And HBO has a half-hour programming to block to fill. Why not? And the issue is that being competitive as a streaming service means that HBO needs to start scheduling originals on Mondays as well as the traditional blockbuster night of Sundays. And sometimes that means ambitious award plays like Chernobyl. And sometimes it means <laughs> this very unnecessary season that I am, for some reason, still going to watch. So, um <laughs> It's only six episodes, and they've already released all of the screeners, so I'll probably just burn through them this weekend, and that'll be it. So that's Divorce Shrug. It's a very weird thing to be happening. Tara. Yeah.
0: Would you like to file for divorce?
2: Divorce, (laughs) yes. Um, For my plug, I would like to mention that as a pursuant to our discussion about Holy Moly on the podcast in the last episode... I wrote about it for Prime Timer and made some suggestions for how to make it even perfecter. Will, as one of our nation's foremost golf fans, this will be of interest (laughs) to you. I'll link it in the show notes, but you can find that on uh, primetimer.com.
3: All right, Will, what do you got? I feel obliged to point out I do not, in fact, like golf. (laughs) Excuse me, ironic there. I don't like golf. Golf is bad. Golf is a waste of land. Will loves Um, golf. I don't like golf. Stop it. Stop it. Golf loves uh, will. <laughs> no, it definitely doesn't do that. Uh, I want to talk uh, uh, my, uh, on the dial about uh, the U.S. Women's National Team. I'm still very excited about their awesome win uh, on Sunday. I wrote a big piece for New York Magazine this week, kind of writing about how uh, how inspiring their their win was! How like they feel like very much of the generation, uh, of the era. In that you know now, our are there was a long time where like your Michael Jordans of the world, and your and your Tiger Woods, and your Derek Jeters. They're talking out about political issues was the last thing they wanted to do. Yeah, they didn't want to mess up uh, all the money they made and all of their success and popularity. And now like. I have to say, one of the things is, like, this team was obviously really fun, and if they would have, as I wrote in the piece, if they would have done nothing but, like, drink shitty vitamin water and do, like, ad reads for Equifax, they still would have been awesome. But the fact that they didn't, and the fact that they had this, that that there were all these fights with Trump, that no one wants to go to the White House, has actually, it feels, it feels like it's something that is particularly inspiring and particularly of this moment. Speaking of that, one of my favorite moments on television in quite some time was when Fox News did a, Fox News, hey, have you heard about Fox News? Big story. Uh, they, had, they did a live shot outside of a sports bar in Lyon, France, where the final was held. And the minute that everyone in the sports bar realized that Fox News was doing a live shot, they all started yelling fuck Trump, fuck Trump, fuck Trump. <laughs> Which was A, funny, because I always encourage drunk people in bars to start chanting vulgarities the minute they are on live television. You know, we owe it to people to do that. Uh, no matter what it is, preferably about Trump, but whatever your vul- vulgarity pleasure, I encourage you to do that. Uh, but also the fact that it so upset Trump who it turns out is somewhat sensitive uh, that he actually gets <laughs> lashed out to Fox at, at Fox News over Twitter over like three or four times since that in the Washington Post reported it was specifically because of that so thank you for the to the US women's national team for being awesome for winning for upsetting Trump and uh, just just generally uh, brightening up uh, an otherwise dreary golf-laden summer <laughs> <laughs> um, I hate golf. I want to be clear. I don't like golf. Um, my plug, uh, I wrote about that in the new issue of New York Magazine. Uh, I wrote about Kevin Durant, who just signed uh, with, uh, with the Brooklyn Nets, and they're into the, the sports stuff of New York Magazine. Uh, I, of course, have my regular newsletter, uh, tinyletter.com slash William F. Leach. It is free. It's one of them free newsletters. just links to everything I write every week. And Season 3 of the Will Leach Show uh, on SI.TV, Woo! which you can find on Amazon. And it does return in September. Uh, we Our guests last year included Heidi Gardner. Heidi Gardner was our last guest we had david cross who was kind of there so i will will give him that it was the one time i've ever did an interview where i thought wow the air conditioner is really loud in this studio Uh, that was the first time that had ever happened but reed scott was on sean astin was particularly great Uh, jason jones uh, andre holland it was it was a really really fun season we're doing season three in september you can find catch up on all the archives on
1: uh, amazon and on si.tv sweet yay Sarah D. Bunting. So, I plunged into The Handmaid's Tale. I was like, "All right, well, let's just see." Um, and now I'm caught up, so I guess I'm watching season 3. Uh, um, it's I'm having the same issue that I had with it uh, as uh, as of the end of last season, which is that it is good. And there is some interesting casting here in the third season, and I definitely want to see where it goes. I just want it to get there faster. Some of these 54-minute episodes could be 42 minutes if they would cut out the superfluous shots of Elizabeth Moss staring disgustedly into the middle distance. Oh, God. She's a handmaid in Gilead. We
2: fucking get it. Yeah, she's like, not happy. Got it. Yeah, Check.
1: N- nor am I with this. Like, mo- somebody move those balloons out of the background. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, silence that kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> There's a beach ball on the hanging wall. Jesus. Like, she's a good actor. We know this. Ling- lingering on her like opaque, staring responses to things is not actually good television. Uh, when you do it every 10 minutes in every episode. Um, and that's kind of generally true as we're recording this for seven episodes in. And it does feel like either what's happened to date could have happened in four or maybe five episodes. Or that the show is not necessarily aware of where its story strengths are right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm far from the only uh, commentator to note this, but I would way rather be watching Rory's transition back into non-theocratic life north mm-hmm. of the border then June's repeated attempts to get at her daughter which not for nothing these are inconsistently supervised and or punished like she gets away with shit when it's Convenient and doesn't when it's convenient for them to make a point. Yeah. And when she doesn't, she's obliged to be point handmade for a tin pot show of PR force or participate in the hanging of a Martha who is dying for helping her. And she doesn't do anything about it. Like there's a super long pause, and June fumes for like a month and then she goes along. Because she has to, I'm not saying that she wouldn't or that I wouldn't, but between the constantly changing stakes as far as what she's allowed to get away with Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and the fact that she deliberately missed her best shot at getting out, this protagonist is really trying my ability to think of her as the protagonist. Um, At least Nick hasn't been on screen in a while. Yeah. don't think we're rid of him. That's an improvement at least. The show is maddening. I can't stop watching it Mm -hmm. under his eye.
2: Yeah. The problem with the show and and her position and June's position is that in earlier seasons, they made a point of showing like she can get away with shit because fertility is so prized and so rare. Like that literally her value is her body and like there's only so much that they can do with it. And then they forget all about that. Like they they don't they don't show the minor um, afflictions that much. And not that I'm saying I want to see more torture, but it's like in the early going, it was like, well, you could fuck with a handmaid's eye or like burn the palm of her hand or something. And like, there's, there are ways that June could be pushing her luck. And she's not like, she's not, she's so focused on the fight for her children. And again, like, you know, when we brought this up, when Alan was here, he was like, Nope, <laughs> that's not a, enough of a driver. It's dumb that she's still there. Like, even as a parent, which we are not like that was his position, but like the fact that she's not taking the privileges that she does have to, you know, try and effectuate change beyond her own self and the people that are biologically related to her is also making her less sympathetic for me. That said, I will also watch every episode of the stupid show. I could never quit it.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's also like, they do have a way with a creepy visual then I'm like, why don't you just flee like the is yeah. basically empty right now, go around the memorial and run off. And then I could stop staring at that extremely upsetting Ozymandian mm-hmm. rendition of busted Abe Lincoln mm-hmm. and his like shins being all that was left.
0: Um, I think the finale, I'm going to pitch this finale, but the finale is like a bottle episode. It is all about what happens with the Gilead gender reveal party. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, There, there is there is so much potential in the show for them to, like, widen out their lens and show what life is like for people other than June. Like, what happens when you're a functionary that's not, you know, a commander? Like, what is life like for someone who's a wife but not a, you know, like Mrs. Waterford or whatever? Like, what is life like for the aunts and like that, that gets explored a little bit more. We have the episode that we'll have just dropped when this episode drops is about aunt Lydia and gives some of her like pre Gilead backstory. And that one was more interesting. Like duh, of course it was all about aunt dad. Like no one's mad at that. Right. But it it just needs to, it needs to figure itself out because this is, this is is so maddening. Like you're right. It's very frustrating.
1: The one about, you know, she and Mrs. Lawrence go for a walk. Like the, and, I'm always like a little flipped out by the fact that Mrs. Lawrence plays the lady who was accused of killing her, grandma. her grandmother to death. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. On like Law and a, Order. Yeah. Like the, you are at one of maybe five other people who would consistently be like, oh, it's, you know, grandma yep. killing girl mm-hmm. from Law and Order. Yep. And she's quite a good actor. And that episode was interesting. But then... You know, it's the Walt effect. Like she's, yeah. Mrs. Lawrence is having a meltdown and June is like petting the wall and listening to Hannah's laughter. And it's like, I, you know, it's not that this isn't realistic, but no, realistic is But it's just we've always, seen this
2: 50 other times. Yeah. Like, like there's
1: yeah. no momentum. Yep, Grab exactly. her or don't. You
0: know what they haven't seen?
2: It's a boy.
1: <laughs> what does the cake look like? <laughs> For my plug, um, I was going to plug the upcoming episode of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, which is a ranking episode of 10,000 Maniacs in my tribe. But I would also like to introduce episode Bounty Hunt. I will explain why I'm looking for this at a future time, but I am looking for an episode of Beretta. It is season four, episode four, ironically, 404. Uh, it is nowhere to be found. It is not on streaming. It is not available on DVD. It is not on VHS. I emailed my guy at the Paley Center. They don't have it. <laughs> he is going to his sources. But folks, if you can find me, season four, episode four, featuring Dennis Quaid as, I believe, a sex worker, oh, a $25 Amazon gift card, or some other gift card if you don't choose to support Amazon. I'm with that. If you can find me this episode in watchable form, I'm not talking about you reenacted with popsicle sticks although I may have to accept that $25 Amazon gift card for the first uh, bounty on Beretta season 4 episode 4. Go forth and you can find me at tomato nation and my email is bunting at tomato nation dot com.
2: Love it. Go get it. <laughs>
0: All right, I want to talk about this show called The Rook, which is on stars with a Z. Um, This is sort of like this spy show that meets misfits or X-Men, basically spies plus mutants plus the UK equals The Rook. So there's (laughs) mutants and they work for the government, but government bad, that's sort of the show. Um, The show itself as a whole kind of feels like a constellation prize that stars wanted to give people that were watching counterpart, which has been canceled, Mm -hmm. but this show is not in the same league at all. This show is boring. It's mirthless. Um, so the pilot has this character called Miffany, rhymes with Tiffany. She's like a charmless amnesiac and she's trying to figure out, the mutant government organization that apparently she's in, she kind of wakes up and discovers that she's one of these mutants with special powers. And she looks like, uh, as Tara said, she looked like a uh, Leslie Rose from game of Thrones. Rose and
2: Leslie. The, we flipped her names.
0: Rose Leslie. Yes. Rose Leslie from game of Thrones and the good fight. If she, she looks like her, if she was worried about something for 20 years.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. So, I watched the show and the show was boring. And I saw two episodes and were like, eh, I don't need to see anymore. And then for this, I just looked up The Rook because I wanted to find out. I wanted to double check it was on stars because I was having a senior moment. And so then I discovered this is based on a novel. And then I started reading about the novel. And the novel sounds super great and fun. Like the novel involves vampires and sentient bold things and just a whole bunch of crazy shit, including this like Belgian secret centuries old frankenstein cult that's doing all this weird shit in the UK. There's nothing like that in the show. And it's not even a hint that they're going there in the show. It's like stars bought this novel and it's like, well, what can we afford to do here? <laughs> yep. I guess we'll just have, you know, a couple agents that have special shocking electric powers or you know can move metal or whatever you know heroes-esque things they can do and then we'll just dispense all the fun stuff and even if this is not the case even if they do get crazy in like say episode four like you can't introduce your show's concept in episode four anymore like mm-hmm. that is not the way tv works like you at least have to do that you know 42nd minute something weird just happened oh this show isn't just about you know like this show feels like Luther's subordinates as they go off do busy work while Luther's doing the main job that you see on screen like that's this show so far except that one of the characters can use electricity Uh, it's anyways the novel the novel sounded (laughs) goofy and weird enough. And the novel apparently is kind of funny as well and absurdist. And this show is not that. So it may be by the novel, but maybe quit the show. So congratulations, <laughs> stars. <laughs> another plug I want to give is actually for a punky Brewster, and I'll tell you why. Um, we recently redid her. <gasps> oh, my neck. My backyard, <laughs> uh, our backyard. It belongs to Tara, too, even though she never goes back there. Um, no, I don't. I had an, a really old ice box that I found in... in Antique <laughs> store in Texas, I bought it for like 30 bucks. I put it in the backyard and thanks to Punky Brewster, I went and I took the hinges off so you can't trap yourself <laughs> in the fridge and die. So I just wanted to thank uh, Punky Brewster for that life lesson. Uh, I and and Jesse Murray
2: who presented that <laughs> episode for the Canon.
0: Uh, for my plug, I just want to say this week on the Patreon extra extra hot great podcast, we are doing a network fantasy draft as suggested by one of our listeners, he has like itemized what we have to do. We're going to take an man, We get to pick two sitcoms and this and that. And we're going to sort of take turns and then people will, I guess, eventually vote on who has the best fantasy network at the end of that. So for our Ooh. Patreon supporters, once again, thank you very much. Uh, look forward to that on Friday.
1: AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service, offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price – You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library pop culture investigations like The Cult of JT Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks Sundance Now!
0: It is time for the canon. Will
3: Leach presenting today. Take it away, Will. Okay. Well, I am presenting episode five or part five of OJ Made in America. The uh, I'm pretty sure this is the first time an Oscar winner has been has been uh, <laughs> uh, submitted to the canon. So this is this is the egot. <laughs> of, uh, of these things. Um, so, you should know that uh, I consider OJ Made in America uh, a masterpiece. And I know that I do. And I do. And I've earned that designation because I wrote about it two months before it came out for New York Magazine. And the headline writer put the word masterpiece in the headline, even though it was not, in fact, in the piece. So, next thing you <laughs> knew, every ad for it said, A masterpiece will leach New York Magazine. So, I damn well better consider it a masterpiece. So, I watched it again for the first time uh, since it came out. in in early 2016 or or as I should really just say pre-November 2016 (laughs) and uh, after watching the entire entire show not just at part 5 for this episode for this show I'm relieved to say it is still a masterpiece Now you should know I do consider it a movie I have the Christian Unleashed podcast we talk about movies I picked it as the best movie of 2016 and if you don't think it's a movie I would counter with the fact that it won an Oscar so (laughs) for the sake of this show though I had to use one of the episodes so I went with number 5 the final episode for 2016 Two reasons. One, it is the final episode with all that comes with that. But mainly, two, it is the most standalone, self-contained of all of them because it gets into the part of the story we probably all know the least, what happened with O.J. after the trial. Now, it has incredible footage like the rest of the documentary, from O.J. yelling at the TV pundits after he got back from the courthouse to O.J. going on a young Wendy Williams show and oddly charming her to an absolutely insane O.J. pay-per-view special that I am ashamed to say I actually (sighs) paid for and wrote about for the Black Day my, My old God. pre-Dead Spin site back in the day. I couldn't expense it because we had no expenses. So <laughs> um, but it's, so this episode tells a more traditional 30 for 30 story, but it ties it all into the context that came before it. It is an incredible episode of television inside an incredible movie. First, though, we do have to finish off that trial. Ezra Edelman, who directed the film, is insanely even-handed throughout, giving context and full airtime to everyone, dispassionate but never inert. One of my favorite quiet pieces of brilliance from the film, and indicative of kind of his whole attitude about it, is that when he asks the juror how in the world they could have deliberated for only a few hours. His irritated, baffled question that strikes me as totally reasonable actually also produces a totally reasonable answer.
1: Two hundred and sixty-seven days. How long the trial
0: lasted? Mm-hmm. 1, Eleven hundred and five pieces of evidence. Mm-hmm. Forty-five thousand pages of trial transcript from one hundred and thirty-three witnesses. How the hell did you deliberate for three and a half hours? How many days was it again? Two hundred and sixty-seven days. Two hundred and sixty-six nights. Two hundred and sixty-six nights. I went back to that room alone wasn't able to talk to other jurors, wasn't able to talk to family. Nobody but me and my thoughts. I waited till the end to come up with a decision, but each night that I went home after listening to testimony, I stored that. By the end of that trial,
1: I knew where I was, and it was clear.
3: So... After the trial, we get into the meat of this episode's story. Now, O.J. realizes, while being found innocent, quickly, though perhaps not as quickly as other people might have recognized it, that he can't just go back to the golf course and pretend it's the old days. Everyone in Brentwood hates him, he has no way to generate income, and the Goldman family makes it clear they will hound him forever. O.J. didn't go to prison, but there's no question, even before the civil trial, that his life got a lot worse. He tries to be cocky at first, but that cockiness fades very fast.
0: What people don't realize about a civil trial is that a judgment is a piece of paper, and that is what you get. Then it becomes the creditor's responsibility to figure out a way to collect on it. Do you have a moral obligation to to pay any of that? I don't feel I have a moral obligation uh, to pay because morally I've done nothing wrong. I think I have a legal ob- obligation when I have money to pay. I wish I could sign a $50 million contract and, and give them whatever they had to give if I knew I can get it back uh, on appeal. <laughs>
2: oh, he knew he'd never pay. Because the system wanted to make certain that they got everything he had, they brought in the uh, the guy that handles the estates of Marilyn Monroe, Elvis, and James Dean. To say that... O.J. was in that same class, that he would make that kind of money for the rest of his life. As his age, I'm sitting there, not going to happen. Those people didn't murder anybody, or at least in the perception of America that he didn't murder anybody.
3: It became
0: our goal to be after him for the rest of his life.
3: He's going to always know that we're right behind him looking over his shoulder, trying to figure out a way to get him. Now, that's Fred Goldman, the father of Ron Goldman. I feel obliged to point out this moment. uh, This is not in the script that I wrote here. But I feel obliged to remind everyone, just to defend my old friend A.J. Delorio and Gawker, that the judgment given to Fred Goldman was less than the judgment that Gawker had to give to Hulk Hogan. I'm just noting that just for the crowd to note. Um, Anyway, so basically what Ron Goldman uh, what what Fred Goldman, uh, he's after every single cent of O.J.'s money. As he says there, he's trying, he's, he wants O.J. to know that no matter what he does, he's going to be trying to get every cent that he has. And that kind of sets up what happens. Uh, we start setting the stage for the end of our story. Suddenly, Simpson's memorabilia becomes all he has in his life. So he moves out of the house on Rockingham. In kind of incredibly staging paparazzi footage of his last day, so he can sell that. He hires a PR agency to rebuild his name to absolutely zero success, and starts hanging out with some increasingly shady people, who are the only people left who will spend time with O.J. Simpson.
0: In Florida, his group of friends was much different.
2: Did you get that set up? You gotta get some more money.
0: Meet me before Christmas. They weren't the Lynn Swans and the Rosie Greers. You don't fucking
2: with our game,
0: man. You hung around with anybody that was more of thuggish, the lower people. Put the camera down. But to the lower people, he was like the Godfather.
2: You're fucking with our golf game, okay? We out here to have a good time, and you're fucking with our game.
0: And because of that, his head grew. This stuff
2: here, yeah. All right. I'm gonna fade it while they wanted No, I made it. Hey, let me tell you, fade
3: He's on a show, by the way. That's the thing that's happening at the end there. I don't like the idea, by the way. As, as personally myself, one of the lower people, I don't actually like the implication of that particular witness. But nevertheless, then we get to the final chapter, the downward spiral of O.J. ending in Vegas, uh, O.J. stealing his merchandise back, or as Seth Myers put it on SNL back in the day, O.J. Simpson was sentenced to seven years in jail for... You know, murder. <laughs> or as <laughs> Carl Douglas calls it, the fifth quarter, uh, which I think is a really good analogy in this. That O.J. would commit another crime after skating on the initial murder app is the ultimate idiot move. As one fellow conspirator puts it hilariously, this whole situation was a very dumb situation. <laughs> but, but, but Edelman, like he does with everything, puts it into context and makes it all kind of understandable. The greatness of this movie and this episode is that it actually explains everything. It gives everyone a voice, especially Nicole, who actually if you look back at it, it was really feels understood for the preps the first time ever in this movie and somehow encaps, encaps, encompasses anything and everything. This movie tells a million stories in one big one. All five episodes, for the record, should be in the canon. This movie should be bronzed. It really is a masterpiece. And for the record, just because I want to sneak in one last thing here this clip. Oof. Yes, OJ is somehow a worse rapper than Sam Malone. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that possible. Um, anyway, I thus humbly submit OJ Made in America, Episode 5, for consideration for the extra hot great canon.
2: Well, Sarah covered it in depth for Previously.TV, so she should go first. Alrighty.
1: Um, yes, I did. I agree that it's a masterpiece. Um, I have watched it uh, again a couple of times since it was first on. Um, writing about it and sort of trying to communicate how great it was and why was um, like, it was a pleasure, but it was also a struggle because it's like, just watch it. And I recommend it constantly all the time to like, you know, plants, people who don't speak any English. I'm like, no, trust me, watch it. Ficus, you'll love it. (laughs) Um, I wasn't sure about episode five because it's you're right that it is the most self-contained, but it's also kind of, I mean, it's not, it's not the weakest, I wouldn't say, but it's a bit different from the Mm -hmm. others. It doesn't feel quite as dense. Um, Maybe it's because OJ, um, it turns out to be such trash (laughs) in this (laughs) one and is sort of surrounded by trash in this one. And it's just, is like almost claustrophobically, um, like, like disorientingly trashy, almost. Um, but it, there's this line by this woman who I think ghost wrote a book for him, Farber Celia Farber, uh, who talks about um, the fact is that the story is not just OJ, the story is OJ and us. And I think that line is one of is true and one of the things that makes this whole series this Maxi movie whatever uh so effective that you know we're all sort of we're watching it but we're also part of it um so yeah I I mean to say that rewatching episode five is enjoyable is not quite right, but it's also, I remember when I first, when I got the screeners and I first started watching it, I remember just thinking that like I could tell almost immediately that I was witnessing, um, something great, like a, a great document. Um, and I still feel that way and I'm thrilled that it still holds up. Uh, I think this was an excellent presentation and um, that guy, like I kind of want to make a ringtone out of that guy saying that it was a very dumb situation (laughs) because he just had a certain way of putting it. (laughs) That was really good. Um, But yeah, in a lot of ways the fifth episode um, kind of encapsulates the in America part of um, the made in America for good or ill um, the, the best and most accurately of all of them, all of these sort of um, narratives and hypocrisies that come together in the person of O.J. Simpson. So great presentation. Uh, it's a great film. I would be happy to throw any of these episodes in the canon uh, and I'll definitely be, vo- be voting yes on this one. Who's next?
2: Uh, I'll go next. This, this was an excellent presentation. Thank you. And I, I also watched, we watched it when it aired as well. Of course it is amazing. Let's say masterpiece for the 50th time. It is. Um, it's, it's so deep. And I think, uh, I appreciate especially that you called out how hands off Edelman seems. I mean, no documentarian is totally, of course, like selections are made up, but, um, it's this, this, the corners of the story that sort of sneak in are, are sort of surprising. Like the folk in this, in this episode, when he's focusing on Fred Goldman's, you know, continuing to push for justice, mounting a civil trial, all this stuff. It's like, yeah, he had that, he had, he had, he was able to do that partly because he seemed to have a lot of resources, but also like, he's not related to them. Like the Brown family couldn't pursue OJ in the same way because they didn't want to cut off, him to cut off access to the kids for them. And, you know, it's a gross thing to say that Fred Goldman had a privilege, but you know, in a sense he did. And, and he, he pushed it like as far as anyone possibly could. And God bless, like, it, you know, for him to feel vindicated by this, what Carl Douglas calls like a really astonishing overcharge on this kidnapping and memorabilia mm. nonsense. Like he, you know, he's Carl Douglas is right, but Fred Goldman is right too. Like, you know, it's a complicated story, <laughs> like, <laughs> duh again, duh. Um, but the other parts that that sort of shine through and that Edelman doesn't really lean on too much is like is OJ as a sociopath, which clearly he is, and that's the point of including, you know, the Wendy Williams interview where she keeps saying like, despite herself, she she knows she should know better, but she can't help it. He's so charming. She she really likes him, and and that plus the the scene from the pay-per-view special where he's talking about like how unfairly he's been treated and stuff like, Oh, this is all very familiar. (laughs) Like all of this is it's the Trump story, but it's also Mm -hmm. the Michael Jackson leaving Neverland story. Like you, you, the, the rich, powerful person who gets away with just about everything and then gets checked once. And it's like the greatest injustice in history. It's like, this is a story we keep seeing played out over and over again. You know, this is, this is, Toxic masculinity. It's it's the same story over and over again. This one ended in murder, but uh, you know, whatever. And the, I, I'm surprised you didn't talk more about the "if I did it" part that they uh, yeah. that he gets into in this part of the story too. Because man, like the talk about your whip
1: of Fred, love it.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. Fred, Fred the uh, the graphic designer who made if as small as it could be and still be kind of legible. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, just this this phase of his life is like coming up with terrible ideas and no one around him having the sense to be like, "No, you can't do that." Like, I won't say these are ideas hatched on a lot of cocaine, but you know, Uh. (laughs) they definitely seem like the kinds of ideas other people on cocaine might have hypothetically. (laughs) Don't sue me. Um, And yeah, it's like all of it. This is great. It, you know, watching this part of it made me, want, re-watch, made me want to rewatch the whole as well. But if I were going to choose one episode of this, I don't know if this would be the one. I mean, I, I feel like episode two that would more contextualize OJ's success and and the, and the story of Los Angeles's racial history, particularly cops versus black people, that if I were going to choose one, that might be the one I would go with. But I'm, I'm on the fence because it is also great. Dave.
0: Okay, I will jump right off your point because that was my main consideration. To me, when we first watched this for the, our original discussion on it, what really impressed me most about this documentary it was how it was how it framed this whole trial in America. Like, is this a race story? Is this a story about just some football guy who did a bad thing? Is this an income divide story? Is this a story about payback for Rodney King? Like, there's all these really bigger questions that surrounded the O.J. trial. You know, that was an anthropological dive into America via O.J. Simpson that was, at for me, at the heart of why everybody's calling this project a masterpiece. Episode five, to me, sort of starts off that way at the tail end of the trial, but then as it gets into, like, the comic buffoonery of O.J. Simpson's post-civil suit life, it kind of steps away from that for a good, like, hour and 15 minutes as it goes through that. And it's not to say that they shouldn't have covered that, but, you know, given the unenviable position of having to pick a slice of this big project to you know, so that Will can double dip here, uh, between movies and TV. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I am going to say like, for me, I kind of agree with what Taro is mulling over, which is further back in the series when this uh, documentarian is, really tackling what O.J. Simpson's trial means in 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 America at a higher level that's the most powerful part of this documentary that is what i remember from this documentary and that's what i took away from it the first time that of course is not to say that this is a, a bad part um there's lots of like oh my god moments like even like the banal stuff like seeing 20 year old news footage Feels like it's two hundred years old now. Like, like it made me feel so ancient just watching that. And it's not that long ago. Some really powerful moments just within that footage, like when they show the crowd outside the courthouse, and when they finally over the radio hear the verdict and they all go crazy. There's like horses. There's police horses horses there. and they all freak out. It was like wow. I mean, that really kind of sold the moment. Um, Lots of things like that. And then once you get into those years where OJ Simpson's just doing stupid shit all the time they've got footage of him trying to be like one of the people at a local church and they've given him a uh, i don't know what kind of hat it is it's like fez shaped and he does this thing like oh it doesn't fit my head like yeah. you know therefore you must acquit type of thing it was uh. like oh boy like that kind of like that one scene for me like kind of painted the oj personality as a whole but certainly his frame of mind such as it is at the end of you know this story um but for me the core of this is what i'm saying is it's it's when they're asking the bigger pictures they're contextualizing the trial and asking some hard questions about america that's this to me and i don't think episode five is the best example of that so um but with that i say this sounds like it's time for the vote sarah d bunting it's a yes for me tari ariana
2: I I can't believe I'm saying this because it's also good, but because it's also good, I feel like I have to hold it to a higher standard than I would otherwise. So I'm going to say this is great, but I for me this was not the best episode of of the five. So I'm going to vote nay.
0: I'm going to say the same thing you have to close out the story somehow and then the, sometimes the end of the story isn't your strongest material just by happenstance and I think that's a big part of, of this um, but that should not dissuade you from watching this if you haven't because it is really good and they tackle it from so many directions that uh, it, it's sort of like um, getting like three or four documentaries in one thanks OJ so with <laughs> that unfortunately we have to say that OJ, made in America, part five. You're good. You're great. But you are not inducted into the extra Hot Crate
1: camp.
3: Americans love a winner. Yup. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope.
0: It's time for winner and a loser of the week. Sarah has the winner.
1: I sure do. It is Stranger Things breaking a four-day viewing record, according to Netflix's, granted, unverified, but Netflix is reporting. Uh, funny semi-related story. Um, my husband and I, we actually do love each other. So when I tell you that we brought <laughs> each other to a Mets game for our anniversary, <laughs> t- look, we, we sat near Pete Alonso, who is like the only thing that's good about the team right now. As you may have read on read on Twitter recently, Um, so it was Stranger Things night, which only meant that there were like factoids about Stranger Things and like you know, Gaten Matarazzo is a big Mets fan, and
0: and had hang from the rafters upside down,
1: costumes. (laughs) Yeah, there was uh, and like related something about someone who had the same character name. Like there was a McNeil, and there's also a McNeil in the Mets. Anyway. There were people who were in costume, and apparently there's some like plant creature thing that looks like a vagina flower. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, sure. That's from season. Don't one. watch it. Couldn't yep. tell you.
0: demigorgon mm.
1: Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so there's a guy in the in the crowd with a mask of this creature on, and uh, they show him like in the second inning. Um, And then he's sitting behind someone during one of the quizzes after like the fifth inning. And then uh, the final callback was that there was the kiss cam. And then they put this guy in his little <laughs> flower vagina mask <laughs> on the kiss cam. And I was like, I think this is even funnier if you watch the show. But whoever <laughs> did this runner, like, look, the city field people have to make their own fun at this point. Because on-field product, not cutting it. But anyway, yay, Stranger (laughs) Things. We enjoyed that, and uh, Netflix can enjoy this viewing record that apparently is a thing. Not that we have any way to gauge it.
0: And Loser of the Week?
2: Well, uh, Teen Mom OG star Amber Portwood, who has already served time in prison, has been arrested again for a domestic battery. Amber. Amber. She was doing well. She had this boyfriend andrew they had another baby together this she was like one of the few that didn't have another baby again like right away and he was apparently holding this baby when she allegedly hit him so not great and this right after janelle the other hottest mess of teen mom dumb who gets in trouble with the law second most uh, just got back custody of her kids after her husband apparently murdered their dog because it took a nip at one of their kids. So yeah, uh, Teen Mom franchise continues to be the fucking darkest. Um, but yeah, uh, b- extra bad news for Amber.
0: Uh, speaking about extra bad news.
2: <laughs> <laughs> do you know what time it is, Dave? I,
0: I think I do. I think it's non-regulation game time.
2: It is. Ooh. Tube Tunes 5. That's oh. right. Tube Tunes is back.
0: I'm surprised you're still finding them, frankly.
2: I'm very good at this. You are good. Um Dave <laughs> is on his honor not to have previewed these clips when I sent them to him, but he will play a clip of an original song from a TV show. For one point, you tell me the show it's from. That's it. Here's what you need to know. As always, no show is in this game more than once. A few of the selections are pre-existing songs for which the show in question has Written or supplied new lyrics. And for those who listen to this podcast with their kids, one of these is extremely filthy, (laughs) though (laughs) your kids probably won't know what the specific terms are or what they mean. If you don't want to have things wrong, if you don't want to explain it to them, um, maybe listen to this game without them. Uh, Just a suggestion. I'm not a parent. (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, Let's throw it to Piggy to see who goes first.
0: We will start with Sarah.
2: All right. So let's go. Sarah, Will, Dave. All right. Are you ready to play Tube Tunes 5? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Please play clip one. Heads around, bellies are squishy. Look at the
0: toes, lots so many curl, not yeah, shrimp. Are they ticklish? Are they jigglish?
2: Can they be tricked? Can they be chucked? Which ones will move? Which ones will talk? But more important, which ones can dance? Oh! Who will be Baby of the Year?
1: Thank you, Picky, for smiling upon me with an episode I just watched at y'all's house. This is I Think You Should Leave, right?
2: Yes, it is. I Think You Should Leave in Tim Robinson. Alright, who did I say was second? Will. Will, clip two is for you. I uh, found you in bed how'd you wind up there you are a mystery little black curly hair little black curly hair little black little black little black little black little black black
3: curly hair okay don't worry Tara you don't have to be mad at me Uh, it is friends
2: (laughs) that's correct that is not the filthy one for the record. Okay, <laughs> Dave, <laughs> clip three is for you.
3: I'm really
0: looking forward to this filthy one. Who's gonna get it? <laughs> Don't bury me
2: with a pee or sounding la la la. Let's all go to a taco show in a house. Such an in front of my nose. you like winning buttons <laughs> and balls.
0: Well, shit. I mean, this is a 50 50. Um. <sighs> Now we're rewatching Cheers at this house, so I'm tempted to think that maybe she's seen it on Cheers recently, but I don't remember that. But I'm also not paying very close attention to the show <laughs> as it's on. <laughs> but also, I I feel like Fraser Crane there, who I believe that is, has like a deeper voice, and as he got so long in Fraser, his voice is deeper than it is in Cheers. So I'm gonna roll the dice and say that's Fraser.
2: Ding 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 ding. Oh, that, <laughs> that is Fraser. That- Good job. All right, clip four is for Sarah. This is sexy, get ready, song. The sexy, get ready, song. A fluffin' and flouncin'. Giglin' and lady, and sexy, get ready,
1: Uh Crazy ex girlfriend. Ding, ding, ding. I'm shocked we never had that before in a Tube Tunes. Yeah. Did we really I never? D-
2: I do keep track. We have not. Um, but we did have we did that episode for the canon, so that might be where you remember Yes,
1: it. no, no, no. I yeah, that's why I knew it. Oh no, I just Crazy Ex-Girlfriend
2: is obviously a very deep well for the purposes of Tube Tunes. Clip five is for Will.
1: Rubber ducky, you're the one. <laughs> you make bath time lots of fun. Rubber ducky, I'm awfully fond of you. Vovo deo rubber ducky, joy of joys. When I squeeze you, you make noise.
3: Rubber ducky, you're my very best friend. It's true. Okay, this is between Sesame Street and Oz. Um, let's uh,
2: Let's go with Sesame Street. Good guess. All right. Clip six is for Dave.
1: They say the world looks down on the bureaucrats. They say we're anal, compulsive, and weird. But when push comes to shove, you gotta do what you love. Even if it's not a good idea. So They said I probably shouldn't be a surgeon. They poo-pooed my electric Frankfurter. They said I probably shouldn't fly with just one eye. I am bender, please, sir, girder.
0: Okay, well, for the record, I knew what that was before the s- 10,000 character names in the second half well, of that clip. Um, yeah. That is from the uh, bureaucratic planet or organization episode of Futurama.
2: Ding, ding, ding. Correct. One of the few clips of Futurama we ever made my dad a university registrar <laughs> watch. Because relatable. Okay, uh, clip seven is for Sarah.
1: Put your douse to the
2: side, get his ass in the bed. Even if it's whack, you can still get some hands. Go for it, go for it, go. Ho for it, ho for it, ho. Do you want that dick or no? You better go for it, go for it, ho. That's not the filthy one either. (laughs) It's a really filthy Uh, game.
1: Oh boy, I do not know, ho. So I'm going to say orange is the new black? Because why not?
2: No, that's a good guess. That's not correct. Does anyone know?
1: Um...
0: I don't know, pose?
2: No, that's insecure. Uh, okay. Oh. She likes to do a mirror wrap. Okay, clip eight is for Will.
0: I don't like spam! Spam, 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 spam,
1: spam, 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 spam,
2: Ding ding ding, correct. It's Monty mm-hmm. Python's
1: Flying Circus, but I can't will believe we that. never had that one
2: either. Yep.
1: I, I you know,
0: like 50 years from now, when everybody who ever watched Monty Python will be dead and uh, <laughs> media is outlawed or whatever, like their mm-hmm. legacy will be spam.
2: Like yeah. that's <laughs> gonna be their
0: endure. That's the one thing that's gonna last the longest that came from Monty Python, which is sad but also very apt.
2: Yes, agree. Okay, clip nine is for Dave, and then we'll do a score break.
0: Oh of these characters they're all on the side jane and Rav, they're back together i'm smiling oh so wide and now for my dance solo dad oh rogelio it's love 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 the world is. uh all right so don't watch the show but that's got to be jane the virgin right
2: ding 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 correct you actually watched that one. You were in the room when I was watching it. That was when our cable, when the internet was out that weekend. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, All right. Let's get a score break.
1: All right. Pretty close game so far. I have two points and Will and Dave each has three points.
2: It's on Fairly Will. Really good. Uh, I didn't say at the start, but there's 30 questions. So 20. Uh, st- 21. M- well, 21. Thank you, Dave. Clip 10 is for Sarah.
3: Before we start, uh, Jake is asked to play another piece on his bassoon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, flea bag! <laughs> you can get an extra Tara f- point if you remember what that song is called. Oh, geez.
1: Mm. Oh, uh,
0: is it? Called Claire? Don't
2: say it. It's not for you. Oh, well, that the, right. it
0: sounds like something you goes Dave over to the Dave can
2: have group. it. I don't know. So go okay, ahead,
0: Dave. Go. Oh, I, is it called Claire?
2: It's called Where's Claire? Where's Claire? Oh. Shit. <laughs> okay. Clip 11 is for Will. <laughs>
0: oh, I'm <made> <laughs> <now. laughs>
1: Is that the filthy one?
2: <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm <gasps> oh, sorry.
1: Uh, that's Mr. Dave Show. knows.
3: Mr. Show. That is Mr. Show. Uh, I, must have for- we- I must have forgot that during the airless David Cross interview. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fair enough. I'll note about this one. Um... Because I had to look it up when I was recapping Better Call Saul last season, and he sang uh, "The Winner Takes It All" with mm-hmm. Michael McKean. Mm-hmm. And there's also a clip online of Bill Oden, uh, Bob Odenkirk saying "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" at a. I forget if it was a White Sox or Cubs game. Cubs, Cubs, oh, yeah. He has gotten way more tone deaf than he used to be. <laughs> he could actually follow a tune back in the late 90s. But yeah, no more. <laughs> that talent has left him. All that uh, yelling.
1: The, the Cubs game circumstances may involve <laughs> carrying a tune in a bucket of beer. So.
2: Fair enough. All right. Clip 12 is for Dave.
0: Right now. Wow, I really feel like that that one's been in this game before. Um, But I trust your record keeping, but that's just me. Uh, News Radio.
2: Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Last time it was uh, when Johnny comes, it was the gays in the military. That's right. Yeah, okay. Uh, Okay, clip 13 is for Sarah. For every lad will
3: wander just to have his last... And when they see a pintle rise, they raise a glass no! and grow about the wantonine. They dance to reel as the troopers go over the league. Because there's Canton Keen and there's Aberdeen. And his name is Michael as strat the trapped bogey the bogey-bogey. A root, a
1: toot, a I don't know. So... Outlander. Ding ding ding! Whoops, sorry, I did not mean to press that button.
0: That wasn't me being a, a jerk.
2: Was it really? Yeah, it was Outlander. Wow. Yeah, you got it. And nice. mean, she says Aberdeen. She's singing Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy with uh, special l- lyrics that she's brought back from the 20th century. Good job. <laughs> Clip 14 is for Will. I buy, I buy, I buy. Yeah, I like, I love. Oh. Solo play BBs. 50% off vibrators at Vibrant. 69 notifications. First! I tweet. I tweet. I tweet. I tweet.
3: Oof. Uh, girls. I don't know.
2: That's a good guess, but not mm. correct.
0: Uh, that, Anyone? I know it. That's. Yes. Uh, oh wait I think I know it is it Broad City yes okay. it is Broad City mm-hmm.
2: originally I shit but I couldn't find that one <laughs> uh, okay clip 15 is for Dave it's
3: Friday night I'm gonna get drunk I'm gonna get laid I'm gonna be late on Monday
0: Ugh. can I hear that one more please Dave Sh- Sure. Yes. no problem Dave <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's Friday night I'm gonna get drunk I'm
1: gonna get laid. I'm gonna be late
0: on Monday. All right, educated guess. Uh, it sounds like Amy Sedaris. I'm gonna say "Strangers with Candy."
2: Oh, it was Amy Sedaris, but that is not correct. Yeah, what is it? It's from "At Home with Amy Sedaris." Oh, see, oh. I
0: didn't. I thought the character sounded more like her character from "Strangers with Candy," who was a complete well, mess. Well, she plays a lot of characters yeah, on that show. Yeah.
2: All right. This one is named Ronnie Vino. She's a wine wholesaler. <laughs> Damn. Oh well. Okay, clip sixteen is for Sarah. I think I'm getting again? It's like a utopia for black
0: people. Yeah, but seriously, shut the fuck up. You won't get followed when you try to shop. You can't, you can't wear, wear your
2: hoodie and not get shot. No white folks to cross the street in fear. No, no trigger happy cops or no scared cashiers. That loan application can't get turned down. You always
0: approved in Negro Time.
1: This
0: is amazing. I know, right?
2: Uh, uh key and peel. Ding ding ding. Another excellent cast Clip seventeen. Spread eagle. Is for Will. I wish I could lay your arms down and let you rest at last. Wish I could slay. Your demons
0: but now that time is past wish I could stay your star was standing fast but I'm standing
1: in the rain I'm just standing in the rain
3: yeesh ah uh. <laughs> Uh, glee
2: R.I.P. your mentions, Will People oh, are going to be mad at that reaction yep.
3: I'm sorry, Glee, I don't know
2: <laughs> Anyone else? Buffy That's Buffy the Vampire Slayer Clip 18 is for Dave And then we'll do another score break
1: You just say you'll cut tax Max. Don't be elite, Pete Kiss a fat baby, Amy Set yourself free Don't be European, Ian. Say screw France, Lance Maybe the Germans, Herman The Dutch, the Swedes Subsidize the bus, Gus Don't be pro-choice, Joyce Not too much sex, Rex
2: Take it from me
0: Uh, is
1: that Veep?
2: That is Veep, ding, ding, ding Okay, let's get another score break Let's do
1: Still quite close, but uh, the lead has shifted somewhat. Will has three points. and uh, Dave and I are tied with five points. Woo! Mm-hmm. Good oh, job, it's everybody.
2: It's on <laughs> Let's play clip 19 for Sarah.
1: If I'm being honest, it was all very harrowing When the invite came for an evening of caroling I don't like singing, I'm not much for conversation And the combo of the tune gave me such hesitation I took a little something just to dull all the edges Either that or I was certain to be jumping off the ledges I'm really quite sorry, but I'm going to admit it I'm really so sorry, if I could, I would quit it But the fact of the matter is, I did a little cocaine tonight I'm gonna be mad, because I think I know this, but I can't I can't pull it so Benson it was a lead
2: topic on this podcast oh so Benson then <laughs> <Not> Benson. <laughs> Twas not anyone else
0: mm, I, it's familiar but I can't place it
2: that is from the co-op episode of documentary oh, oh no oh. Right.
1: I'm sorry oh. everyone
2: I I, de- I debated between this one and the brown and the beige, but I thought this one was more memorable, and I was wrong. <laughs> uh Clip 20 is for Will. I've been slumping all season, but now I found a reason. I struck all a love that is true. I used to play the field. I used to
3: be a roamer, but the season's turning around for me now.
2: I finally bagged me a homer. That's right. I fin-
1: Lerlene,
3: we're going to have to cut you off. We're getting some kind of grinding noise on the track. Uh, again, either uh, The Simpsons or Oz. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with The Simpsons.
2: That is correct. <laughs> it was Oz. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that the one? That's the only one that Matt Groening wrote? Is that that one? Yes.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, clip 21 is for you, Dave. Mm-hmm. Shots fired. Portia Scott Griffith declares squad feud with MMN boardroom bitch.
1: Now, now, you know you better wash this fish. I've had enough of your ish fish. I'm a famous and rich fish,
3: so you better wash this fish.
1: You know you better wash this. Bitch. You know you better, better wash dish, fish. I've had enough of your, bitch, bitch. Nap of your ish, fish. I'm a famous and, you and rich, fish. You better wash dish.
0: Uh, okay, so that's from Great News. Ding, ding, ding. And that is like the most cringeworthy part of that show. I thought I <laughs> hated that episode, and it does it's not kinda. work at all. It's really it's bad. It's not great. Yeah.
2: But you got it, and yeah, that's what counts. That's the important part. All right. Clip twenty-two is for Sarah D. Bundy
0: you like what I got, but baby don't test yeah. me, don't test put a towel me. down cause the sweat gets messy. messy. Now I'ma tell you what I'm about to do, I'ma I'm skeet, 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 all over all you, over then I'ma sit back, watch you rub it in, hey. real Cosmo girl, it's good for your skin, hey. my next move baby, beyond belief, beyond belief. put it on a toothbrush girl, brush them teeth, brush them hey. teeth. all that G, hey, all that G, tell you how it is, tell you how it is,
1: Also, not the dirty that's one. The one. <laughs> well, that's definitely not the dirty one. Uh, it is. Uh, I don't. I feel like I actually know this, but you I do. You do yeah. do you I? You hundred percent do. Uh-huh. yes Do I? Yeah. Yes. Atlanta. It's, it.
2: No, that's a good guess. That's,
0: uh, what is it, Dave? Frisky dingo.
2: Yes. Oh, 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 oh my God. Tequila. Of course. Um. Alright, clip 23 is for Will.
3: Across the void We come a-warping Across the fields Of the stars we ini- Soar so, We, we said, pledge to land in? Space, And some We
1: Spaceship
3: And am are Homeward shall we fly Our glory Cannot Be
2: diminished Back to the heavens In our mighty (laughs) Space So there's some context clues there Hmm.
3: Uh, I kept listening for like Robin Williams voice, as uh, I didn't hear it, but I'll go ahead and say more and Mindy anyway.
2: No,
0: it's not. It, uh, my educated guess because of the lyrics was third rock from the sun.
2: That's correct. Oh, it is. is Third I totally rock forgot, from forgot the that sun. show existed. Oh, yeah, that thing. <clears throat> All right. Clip 24 is for Dave.
0: Uh, Don't know I, I think I heard the word prom And sad So I'll say Daria
2: No That's a good guess though <laughs> That's Bob's Burgers Oh Really? It's about Tina When she makes friends with Tammy Oh okay Alright Okay enough? Clip 25 Is for Sarah
3: When the ovum first descends It is expelled And it's expelled when the uterine lining And the flow, and the menstrual flow begins Out the vagina, out the vagina, it all comes
2: sliding (laughs) No, no, you're not alone Cause everybody bleeds from
1: time
3: to time
1: Uh I really don't know, so I'm gonna guess. Big mouth.
2: Big Mouth is an excellent guess, and it oh, is correct. Good
1: job. Man, nice. guessing.
2: It's what's for Clip- dinner. <laughs> Clip twenty six is for Will.
0: I shake a leg. I shake a leg.
3: It's Mr. Gray.
0: It's Mr. Gray. And he's here to spend his dough all over the town. He's got the bucks. I've got the bucks. It's all deluxe.
2: It's all deluxe. When you're dining out with me, it's the finest steak and brie. And if I break a table, it ain't no... Whoa! Just built my bank. A hundred bucks? Gee, thanks!
3: I do not know. (laughs)
2: Sarah or Dave?
0: Uh, That's Steven Universe.
2: That is Steven Universe. Oh, yeah. Okay, clip 27 is for Dave, and then we'll do our last score break before our final questions.
1: Yeah! Oh, I'm about be big I'm going country. I'm pay or paid. I wear a hat now. I
0: drive a truck for girls and fans now. Damn. Right back up and body of we country, with country <laughs> and teen, The worst of both worlds. <laughs> <Bro with country laughs> marga,
2: the worst of both worlds. <laughs> of both worlds.
0: Um Is is this curl show?
2: It is curl oh, Show. All right. All right. Last score break before each of you gets your one last question. All, All right.
1: right. Uh, Dave is in the lead, narrowly, with seven. I have six. Will has four.
2: Ooh. All right. Exciting. Not
1: anything could happen, but a couple of things could happen.
2: All right. Uh, let's go to clip 28 for Sarah.
1: Pop-coms. We'll clean up the town. We'll turn that old brown upside down. Fuck.
2: hot cops
1: <laughs> uh, I don't oh know yeah. Brooklyn 99.
2: no good guess mm, anyone no idea Arrested Development oh hot cops
0: oh, yeah
1: alright okay. wow
0: it's been a long time since I watched Arrested Development holy shit
1: yeah
2: hmm uh 29 is for Will who has not been smiled upon by picky on this day
3: I guess you wrote this for you, huh? It's an old song. And it's being sung with feeling. Try not to look too moved, okay? (laughs) Okay, this is (laughs) Oz.
2: I mean, they should be in prison, but no, it's (laughs) not. Sarity Bunting.
1: 90210. It is 902.
2: Ah, Clip 30 is four days.
3: Balls, 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 balls,
0: balls. The song of the summer, guys. It's the thirty rock. It is
2: thirty rock. Alright, let's see your those final scores. Uh wrapping it up, Will
1: had four, I had six, and Dave is our Victor with eight. Great game, Tara.
2: There's also a tiebreaker in case anyone wants to play it just just for funsies. Wait until the clip is over.
0: Okay. And then shout it out. And then shout it out. What's that steak?
2: Uh, Tara will do your dishes
0: for a week. Here we go. (laughs) And it's raising us higher and higher. Raisins are from heaven. Now we're raising hell. Higher and higher. It's higher. Don't skip on that barbed wire. It's higher. All right. So, Sarah, um, you didn't get Frisky Dingo, and this is Frisky Dingo. Jason, do you want to take this one? Is it the extacles? No,
1: no. No.
2: <laughs> no. Okay. It's all Clone right. High. It's Clone High. Clone high. Yeah.
1: Which episode is that from? It's the raisin From episode. the
2: musical. The musical episode where they're all smoking raisins. Oh.
1: <laughs> well, that's it for another episode of
0: Extra Hot Great. We gave you our fair and balanced assessment of Showtime's series The Loudest Voice before going around the dial with stops at Divorce, the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team, The Handmaid's Tale, and The Rook. Will couldn't quite convert his O.J. Made in America canon pick for the extra point. We crowned Winners and Losers of the Week. By the way, that was... Do you like my little sports thing? I I looked it up. (laughs) And Dave was the winner of this week's Game Time. Remember... (laughs)
2: We're listening. Ah.
0: I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariano,
1: balls, Sarah D. Bunting. This whole situation was a very dumb situation.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And Will Leach. (laughs) One more time for good time's sake. My God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Creek. coming out anytime soon okay we're gonna get up we're gonna pull up high get out of all this bullshit